Let's pray. Lord, I praise you. We thank you for this night, this gathering that is only brought together because of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I pray we would not quickly forget such a night as Good Friday, but it would be at the front of our minds every day that you have given us breath, that we would not lose the value of what we've been given in Christ, and that we would understand everyone's need for your sacrifice. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. On this night, Jesus found himself praying. He was praying in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. He was surrounded by the olive trees and that fragrant smell of the night air. As he bowed his head close to the loam of the ground and he spoke to his father as the sound of the breeze brushed his skin. All of this disbanded by the sound of soldiers' feet and Judas approaches him. One of his 12 closest disciples, the, one of the people he spent the most time with in the last three years of his ministry, embracing Jesus and kissing him, betraying him with a sign of intimacy and love. Judas's lips touching his cheek. Jesus is arrested and taken away as if he was a criminal. His, his disciples, their, their hearts and minds start racing with a mix of fear and anger. All, they all fled. They fled the scene. What's going on? How can this be? What's going to happen now? He is placed on trial. Taken from one place to another. First before Annas and Caiaphas. And then the Sanhedrin. Peter. Standing nearby. Having sworn loyalty to Jesus. Whatever should come. Swearing loyalty to his master. To the end. Denies his relationship with him. Denies his walk with him. Denies his love for him. Three times over. And the rooster crows. Time succumbs to stillness as Peter, in anguish, looks over and the Lord turns to look at him. Jesus is then taken to Pilate and then to Herod Antipas and back again. Falsely accused and found innocent. He's condemned. Condemned to a a criminal's death. Following a a severe beating, pieces of, of glass and rock and metal tied to the end of the whip, tearing through flesh, a crown of thorns thrust down upon his brow and piercing his skin. He is mocked and he is spat upon. Isaiah 52. 
verse 14, it reminds us that his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. One could hardly recognize his humanity anymore. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, right? No longer a baby lying in a manger, worshipped by kings from abroad who brought his gifts to the king of kings and lord of lords. The gold and the frankincense have served their purposes. And now it is time for the myrrh. As he is told to take up the implement of his death and carry it to the place where he would be crucified. A form of punishment designed to inflict as much shame and pain as possible upon its victim. We now see the very word of God, the great I am, El Shaddai. For whom and by whom all things have been made that have been made. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And we see him stripped naked, in vulgar pursuit, his clothes to be gambled over as soldiers cast lots in the dirt. He's laid upon the crossbeam. And taking nails that were somewhere between six and eight inches long, they stretched out his arm and drove the first nail through his wrist and into the wood beneath. This severs the median nerve, causing excruciating pain and paralysis of the hand. And drawing out his other arm, they hammer in the second nail. Same pain. All over again. Raising up the crossbeam. The weight of his body stretching out his arms, pulling them out of joint. They are careful to bend his knees. So they can place one foot on top of the other and nail them both to the cross with a single nail. And thus begins the process of the body struggling to survive, struggling to breathe. The crucified one pushing up with his feet on the nail through his feet to grasp at air his heart beating rapidly to compensate for the lack of oxygen. As he tells us in Psalm 22, he says, his heart was melting like wax within him. Deep in his chest, he feels the crushing pain of the pericardium as it fills with serum, compressing a heart that is trying so desperately to beat as dehydration and cramps set in. Jesus calls out, I thirst. You know what they offer God? They offer God a bit of cheap, sour wine on a sponge. 
how is this good? How can this be a good Friday? Why didn't Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, why didn't he call upon the legions of angels that he had at his disposal at that moment? Why didn't the Messiah, the sovereign God, simply cast down his enemies and establish his rule over all that he had created? How does this make sense? Why? I I would have. Wouldn't you? Of all men who have ever set foot on the earth, he didn't deserve this. This is a good Friday. Because if he had not followed through with the cross, no one could have survived. None of us, no, not one, could have stood before a holy and perfect God and lived. He followed through with the cross because you and I, we are those enemies. We, in our sin, are the ones who drove those nails firmly into place. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And in our sin, we deserved the very death that he has taken for us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died for us so that we would not have to die. In our own sin. He tasted death. In our place. Becoming the perfect atonement for our sin. Before a holy perfect and righteous God. Becoming the payment for our sin. So that we could be reconciled. To God. Because of the wages of our sin. That which we earn. For our sin. From what God declared in Genesis. And Paul restated for us in Romans. Is death. That's what we deserve. So that is what he took on. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Colossians. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
This is a good Friday. Because Christ, eternal God, died once for all our sin, past, present, and future. Where I would have to spend an eternity in hell, separated from God to pay the same price. The price of my sin against him, Jesus. Fully God and fully man did it in my place. This is a good Friday because the words I thirst were not the final words of Christ at the cross. But he said, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Sin has been covered and forgiven in a perfect and glorious sacrifice. A sacrifice offered to us at this day and time as a gift. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to assuage the wrath of God towards us in our sin by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just. He will not sweep sin under the carpet. He won't ignore it. It must be paid for. And his righteousness is shown at the cross. This is a good Friday. Because that righteousness of God was met with his love in the very same place at the cross. And there is no need to earn a place before God because Jesus has earned it for us. We can't make a better sacrifice. We can't do a more perfect atonement for our sin before God than what Christ has already done. His body broken for us. His blood shed in our place. It is a good Friday because you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior today. Today, you can be reconciled to God. No matter what your sins have been, they can't be anything that would surprise God. He knows them all. And God does not need anything more to be both just and the justifier than what he has already provided for us in his Son. By grace, through faith. If you want to receive Christ's and his sacrifice on the cross for your salvation, pray to him. 
pray to him, speak with him personally, and recognize your sinful condition before a holy and righteous God. And don't worry about your words. They don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be some kind of a prayer guru or or say just the right things. Fall down before God tonight and recognize who he is and who you are before him. Have you ever lied about anything? Jesus nailed it to the cross. Have you ever stolen anything? Jesus nailed it to the cross. Have you ever dishonored your parents, lusted, coveted, murdered, hated someone, allowed something or someone to be God in your heart other than God himself? Jesus nailed that to the cross too. Colossians 2. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. Repent of those sins, whatever they might be. Turning away from them, turn towards Jesus. Trusting in his sacrifice at the cross in your place for the forgiveness of your sins and your salvation and begin to walk with him in new life, born again, not of flesh and blood, but of the spirit of God, immersed in his word and living it out, not in order to win some kind of greater salvation, but simply as a response of love as we recognize God's act of love for us in Christ. What a magnificent, what a wonderful, how rich and how deep and how lavish the grace and the mercy of God for us on this night displayed on this good Friday. It is a good Friday because it was not his last. He may have laid down his life for us, but he took it back again of his own will. Because no one could take it from him or keep it from him. However, on this night, the disciples wondered and they grieved. What happened to our Messiah? Where is our Savior? The true light which gives light to everyone, was come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Tonight, for our sins, the Lord is dead. If you'd like to stay and remain in prayer, pray for someone, maybe, who needs the salvation that you have. 
you need to pray and, and confess something before God, feel free to remain and pray. The sanctuary will remain candlelit and quiet for that purpose. For one day out of the year, let us allow the, the remembrance of Jesus' death and the price for our sins to weigh heavy on our hearts. Tonight, we may grieve for a moment, but come back on Sunday and remember with us the promises of God. Father God, we praise you for this night. We praise you for your son. We praise you for your word and how it has pointed us towards Christ from its beginning through its end. Lord, we praise you that you had a plan of salvation established for us from the beginning. That you had us on your mind every step of the way, even to the cross and to this day. Thank you, Lord, for a night like this that causes us to remember these very things. And we praise you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all.